السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدان الله اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علمي لا صراة والسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وأشهد أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن لهم مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياك إياي بتقوى الله الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has blessed us to live to the latter part of this month of Sha'ban and we are right on the brink of entering into the Sayyidah Shuhur, the preeminent of all months, the blessed month of Ramadan, the month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has singled it out as an opportunity for the believers to expose themselves to the sweet breezes of His mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the greatest blessings of this month is that it is an atonement for what took place between the previous Ramadan and now the month that we're now going to enter in this Ramadan. It is an atonement. Prayer to prayer. And every Friday to the next Friday. And from Ramadan to Ramadan is mukaffirat. Our means of atonement if the major sins are avoided. So this is a blessing. This is a further opportunity for us to purify our hearts, to polish our hearts, and to be able to do what is pleasing to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala all in preparation of the meeting with Him, Jalla Jalalu. And one of the most important things of all, now that we know Ramadan is so close, is to prepare. And we should have started preparing way ahead of time from the month of Rajab. And our Prophet taught us to be aware of Ramadan when he used to supplicate from all the time and ask Allah to place blessing in Rajab and blessing in Sha'ban and cause us to reach Ramadan. He taught us to prepare for this blessed month. And this is indeed the affair of the believer. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually. We need to prepare ourselves mentally and psychologically. And we need to prepare ourselves physically for this blessed month. And we still have a little bit of time left. And one of the most important things that we can do in this little time that we have left is try to set aside all of the affairs of this world. Anything that you have yet to do. If you haven't done your spring cleaning yet, do it quickly so you don't have to do that in Ramadan. If you haven't paid your taxes yet, even if they gave you an extension this year, try to get that done so you don't have to think of that in Ramadan. 
any groceries that you need, any dates that you need to order, whatever it is that you need. And oftentimes we have a long list of things. Get all of this stuff out of the way. If you've had any appointments, doctor appointments, anything like this that you need, we should have already gotten that out of the way. So that when that month enters, we can focus. Ramadan is not a time that we want to waste it doing things that even things that we have to do, if we can do those things that we have to do at another time. This is a time that we want to benefit from every moment, from every hour, from every day, and of course from the entire month as a whole. So preparing ourselves is one of the most important things that we can do. And one of the greatest meanings of preparation relates to welcoming this month in our hearts. This is a time now where we should become very happy. We should be anticipating this month. We should be longing for it to enter. There are some people, unfortunately, who start thinking about the fast and how difficult it's going to be and everything that they have to do at work and that the food that they're going to miss during the day, we have to be very careful. Because once Ramadan enters, wanting Ramadan to end is actually a major sin. It's very serious. And were we to see the rahmah that is sababa, the intense outpour of Allah Ta'ala's mercy, we would actually want what our Prophet said, that were my ummah to know what is in Ramadan, they would have wished the entire year to be Ramadan. Were we to have unveiled for us the divine outpour of mercy in the forgiveness that he grants his creation and all of the great gifts that are received in this blessed month, were we only to know, but we don't. The low is the haraf and imtina, the imtina. We don't know so that sometimes these thoughts seep into our hearts, but you have to block them. And to remind yourself that we believe in what our Prophet said, وسلم, even if we don't witness it. So preparing. And one of the blessed poems that's recited in certain places in the Muslim world to train themselves to, jo to bring about joy in their hearts for this month. They say, Marhaban ya shahra Ramadan. Marhaban shahra al-ibadah. Welcome, O month of Ramadan. Welcome. O month of worship. And the ya that they're using is the ya and munada. And even though Ramadan is a month, normally that you call people, the ya and munada is saying like, oh, in English, even though we don't tend to use it, sometimes we'll just call that person by the name. But you're calling them. It is as if that Ramadan is an intimate friend of yours. And you're saying, marhaban, welcome. You're opening your heart to this blessed month. Marhaban, ya shahra Ramadan. That welcome, O month of Ramadan, marhaban shahra sa'ada. Welcome to the month of felicity. Marhaban ya shahra Ramadan, ante shahra istifada. Welcome, O month of Ramadan, you are the month of benefit. Marhaban ya khayra qadam. Welcome, O best of all guests, bil awaid wa ziyada. That comes with all different types of divine gifts and increase. And so usually when we have guests come, they bring us gifts. But the gifts that the blessed guest of Ramadan brings are the very best gifts of all because they are divine gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in numerous hadith 
He spoke to us about the virtue and excellence of Ramadan. And even if we've heard every single one of these hadith before, the point is not just to hear them. To what degree are we impacted by them? And to what degree are we impacted by them such that it translates outwardly in doing what it is that we should be doing in this blessed month? This is really the key. When we hear the words of our Prophet ﷺ, he did not say them in vain. He did not say them so that we could just say, oh, I've heard that before. I learned that when I was in Sunday school as a young child. He said that so you and I, as we enter into this month, we start to move up in the degrees of fasting. We don't want to be content with the lower degrees of fasting when we enter into our 40s or 50s and into our 60s. For those of us that are now getting older, and we've had quite a few Ramadans that Allah Taala has blessed us to fast. Let's make sure that we're increasing in our fasts. Let's make sure that we're tasting the sweetness of the fast and that we are maximizing our benefit from every aspect of the month, the two pillars of it which are fasting and recitation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's book. And so our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that he told us about those who fast Ramadan and stand in prayer. Both of these people that do this, imanan wahtisaban, out of iman, faith in Allah Taala, And ihtisab is it where you seek reward from what you're doing from Allah. And of course, that we know a prerequisite for receiving reward is sincerity. We fast, we fast imanan wahtisaban, and man qama imanan wahtisaban, whoever stands in prayer out of faith and desiring reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is the reward? All of their previous sins will be forgiven. This is an opportunity to polish the heart. This is an opportunity for you and I to reset. This is an opportunity for us to nip bad habits, in nip them in the bud, that get them out of our lives. And what a blessing that we have this time, uh, time and time again, time and time again, that we have this blessed opportunity. And then in a, another narration that our Prophet indicated that with a beautiful metaphor, that whoever does this, i.e., stands in Ramadan in prayer, out of faith and desiring reward from Allah Ta'ala, it will be as the day that they will be as the day their mother gave birth to them. Their mother, when a child enters into the world, alhamdulillah, we have a deen that doesn't believe in original sin. That was one of the things for me becoming Muslim is that when I found out that Islam was the deen in fitrah, that makes so much sense. How could a child be born with sin? That makes no sense at all. Alhamdulillah, we believe that we enter into this world that pure, but the fitrah intact, that of course sinless. And it's only when we become legally responsible then will the sins start to accumulate. But the hope is that we've prepared ourselves before that age of balugh, of that reaching the age of maturity, so that then we're ready to be able to do good deeds that are then a means for us to draw close to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that in this blessed month that there are certain realities that take place. And when you hear the various narrations about the, about the gates of paradise opening up, 
and about the gates of hell being closed and about the shayateen being shackled and tied up. The upshot of that is it is a month of what's called Iqbal. It is a month that it is easier for you and I to draw near to Allah Ta'ala. Is that one of the primary meanings with all the difference of opinion about what the scholars really said about what is the reality of the shayateen being shackled? And then how do you explain evil behavior? There's different explanations that they give. But the point is you only have yourself to blame if you have bad tendencies in Ramadan. Meaning that it's divinely facilitated for you to draw near to Allah in this month. And of course you have to put in effort, but it will be made easy. And the very simple proof of that is if you're praying 20 rak'ahs of tarawih, Pray 20 rak'ahs that on the night of Eid or the day after and see how easy it actually really is for you. Whereas in the month that it's facilitated, it's something, yes, sometimes that it might be a little bit difficult, especially if we eat too much, to stand on those blessed rak'ahs at night. But we should always remember the secret of our Prophet speaking of both the fast and standing in prayer. And of course, when we're standing in prayer, we're primarily listening to the recitation of the Quran, or if we're the Imam, we're the one reciting it. But these are the two pillars of this month. Attaching our hearts to Allah Ta'ala through fasting, which is about restraint. And then recitation of His book, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And ideally, it is meant that the fast prepare us for recitation of the book. The fast is meant to prepare us for the recitation of his book, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that if we find ourselves too tired during tarawih, or if we find our mind drifting, or if we find ourselves not being able to concentrate like it is that we should, we need to be very careful and look at our practices. Are we doing everything that it is that we should be doing? Or are we doing something that is blemishing our recitation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book? And then our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that he mentions in a very long hadith and that the meaning of this hadith really is about preparing the companions for this very blessed month. And so he tells us that you are about to be shadowed by a great month. So the number one way that we prepare for Ramadan is by bringing, out a, bringing about in our hearts a deep sense of joy for its coming and longing for it to arrive and then preparing from now everything that it is that we're going to do in that special month. This is what the people before us used to do. They used to actually sit down and they used to actually plan what their month would look like. And some of them would even grab their family members and gather them. And they would then say, what do you plan to do in Ramadan? What do you plan to do in Ramadan? They would ask each one what their plans were for this blessed month. And then one of them would say that, can I buy some time from you for this month because when they looked at their time they found that their schedule had already was so packed with good 
there wasn't any more that they could actually do. But the vast majority of us, that's not our problem. Our problem is making sure that we are going to set aside time to do things that are pleasing to our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the most important things that we can do is especially be ready for the first night of Ramadan. And oftentimes, because we are anticipating this month, we don't know whether it's going to be the next day that we're fasting or the day after it, sometimes we're in a state of heedlessness. But the first night of Ramadan is especially special. And Allah Taala has a gaze that He bestows upon His creation. And the meaning of that gaze in terms of how we receive it is one of mercy and forgiveness. So we want to be ready for that first night. Because on that first night, we hadn't fasted that day. And the, next fa the first fast will be the next morning. But we want to be sure that we're ready to receive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gaze on that blessed night. So that we can then start the month in the very best of ways. And in general, once Ramadan enters, we want to shift into a slightly higher gear. It's not a sprint. You can't sprint through the month of Ramadan. But you can that start, if you are walking before Ramadan, you can start power walking. And if you're already power walking, you're at a good pace, that you might start slowly jogging. And those first 10 days, you want to pick up the pace compared to the way that you were before Ramadan. But one of the things that commonly happens is after those first 10 days, because we weren't ready, we weren't prepared, but partially because we might have done more than we thought that we could actually really do, we bit off more than we could chew. So we actually regress after the first 10 days. Whereas when the second 10 starts, we want to shift into a higher gear. And we hopefully have developed momentum that we can actually move a little bit faster. And the important thing is that we go at our own pace. This is individual. We do what we can do. And your brother or your friend or your fellow family member might move faster than you. But the key is, is that pick up the pace and carry that momentum into the second 10 days and then carry that momentum into the last that 10 days so that inshallah ta'ala that we end in the very best of ways. So preparing for the month of Ramadan is of the utmost importance and one of the most important things that we can do as well is to look at the description of our Prophet ﷺ. How was he in this blessed month? What did he do in this month that he didn't normally do? He was always beautiful ﷺ. He was always uplifting. He was always generous. But that in a hadith it's described that our Prophet ﷺ was the most generous of people, but the most generous that he was was in the blessed month of Ramadan. When Jibreel would come to him, meet with him, and review the book of Allah with him. And every night that he would use Quran, he would review the book of Allah with our Prophet. So this is a month of generosity. And generosity not just in 
giving out wealth. That's one of the most important parts of generosity. But generosity of soul, which is the source of that other type of generosity. Magnanimity, being of great soul, being someone who rises above petty things, being someone who's not distracted by trivial matters, being someone who has high spiritual aspiration and is not only going to fast this month and give it its right in the way that it deserves, but also to be another means for people to do so. That part of generosity in this month means is that you can overcome the headaches and that some of those moments where you're bothered or you're agitated and that you come down hard on someone else or someone that cuts you off on the highway or whatever else, rise above all of that. This is of the meanings of being that magnanimous and of being that having a great soul and of one of the meanings of generosity is you can overlook all of that. You can overlook that someone that you, you might say, why didn't they send salams to me? Or why didn't they invite me over to iftar? Or all of these other little things like this of things that could happen that are very petty. You rise above all of that. And yes, of course, that you give. You give with your time. You give with your wealth. You give from the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. You give by supplicating for people and all of the other meanings of generosity. And so that when this combined, this is a proof that when you have the special month of Ramadan and then you have that Jibreel reviewing the Quran with the Prophet is that this was the most generous that he ever was. And we should follow him in that and he was described as being as generous as a scent wind. When the wind blows through, it envelops everybody. When the wind blows through, that everybody benefits from it. And so everybody would benefit from the Prophet ﷺ, and we are still benefiting today from that generosity that he displayed sallallahu alayhi wa that over 1400 years ago. And in one narration it's ad it adds is that he never was asked for anything except that he gave it. And if this is the way that his great-grandson Sayyidina Ali Zayn al-Abideen was described, that ma qala la qat illa fi tashahudihi. He never said no except in his tashahud. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Where he negated anything that deserves to be worshipped other than Allah Ta'ala. Were not to be for the tashahud, that, uh, that his la would have been like his na'am, meaning that it's the only time that he said no to anything. Any time that he was asked, he would give. And this is the way that we should be. There will be a lot of emails that we all receive. There will be different causes that we're asked to support. We should actually see it as an honor that we even have an opportunity to know someplace that we should give. Never get annoyed by people asking you to support a good cause. Ascertain and make sure it's a good cause. And make an intention in your heart to support every good cause on the face of this earth. And if you can support every email that you get, even if it be with $10, even if it be with a dollar or less or more, make an intention that every day during the month of Ramadan that you give something according to your means whatever it is that you have. 
and this will be a means of immense mercy, inshallah ta'ala, and blessing for you and for other people. May Allah ta'ala prepare us for this blessed month, and inshallah ta'ala, and assist us in it, and bless us to be from the elect of when they enter into it, expose themselves to the sweet breezes of our Lord's mercy. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin, al-tahirin, wa sahabati al-akramin, wa tabi'ina lahum bi ahsan ila yawmiddin, wa alayna ma'am wa fihim bi rahmatika, ya arhamu rahimin, wa shadu an la ilaha ilallah, wa shadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah, amma ba'd ya ibadullah, inni musikum, wa nafsi iyaya, bi taqwa Allah. Very briefly, we will mention some of the recommended measures that the ulama, the scholars have mentioned while we fast. And the first is that we hasten to break our fasts once we are certain that Maghrib has entered. And so we need to be very careful when we use prayer calendars that are on our phones or that are hanging that at home because some of the prayer calendars differ. So I would wait at least two to three minutes, maybe a few, uh, maybe more than that, up to five, where we are certain that Ramadan, that, uh, that Maghrib has entered, and then after that, we break our fast. And then the next sunnah is to break your fast with dates. And so oftentimes, there's all types of food that people put out that on the table spread, and we won't, don't want to be too hard on people, but the more simple that we break the fast, the better. And if there's multiple types of food, to follow the sunnah, begin with dates and water. And then you can eat and drink from the other things that are there. Begin with dates and water. And to the extent possible that you can keep the breaking of the fast simple with dates and water and postpone food until after you pray maghrib, that's better. Because maghrib, the time for it is very short. And you're permitted, of course, to break your fast, but it's better to break your fast fairly quickly and to eat dates and drink water and then stand up and pray and then you can come back with the meal. And always remember to still follow all of the etiquettes that go along with um, eating, whether it be when you break your fast or that when you then go to eat after that. And when the adhan goes off, and I recommend if you're at home and you're not at a masjid, to have someone call the adhan. And so don't forget to do two things. One, say the dua that you're supposed to say when you break your fast, and there's multiple supplications for that, and the access to those are easy. But while you're making that dua, enjoying the day and drinking that water, also respond to the adhan. And at first it might seem difficult, because a lot is happening at once, but make sure that you are present in that moment. This is one of the most important moments of all. Sometimes we're late for an iftar, unfortunately, and we're going crazy, and we're rushing about, and we're not present when sunset enters. Try to get where you're going ahead of time. And even when you're breaking your fast with family and friends, spend time in the remembrance of Allah. This is not a time to do 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 even though we're excited because we're about to break our fast. This is not a time to excessively talk. 
That is a time to be present with Allah. That is a time that mercy is descending. And that is a time that especially du'as are answered. Use that time well. I don't mean to be rude or to frown at people or things like that. But let's establish it amongst our community, in our families, in our households, when we go to people's homes, that this is a time for dhikr. And that one of the beautiful ways to do that is that as it's done in certain places in the Muslim world, that putting a hadith of our Prophet ﷺ into practice about the various khisal that you should do a lot of in Ramadan, that and it's something that we do here. We try to do five to seven minutes before that sunset in uh, that sunset is 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 going to come. Is that we repeat Ashadun la ilaha illallah, nastawfirullah, nasaluka jannata wa na'udhu bika min al-nar. And you repeat that. Nashadun la ilaha illallah, nastawfirullah, nasaluka jannata wa na'udhu bika min al-nar. Three times. And then, because some scholars say later that Qadr could actually be any night in Ramadan. Although, usually it's in the last ten, and usually it's on the odd days of the last ten. Then you say, Allahumma inna ka'afoon tuhibba al-afaf wa'afu anna. Repeat that a second time. Allahumma inna ka'afoon tuhibba al-afaf wa'afu anna. A third time. And then you go back and you repeat it. And so that the sun sets, and you're in a state of remembrance of Allah Taala. This is one of the most important things that we can do. And then the pre-dawn meal. There is great blessing in it. There's a special mercy that you receive for eating. La ilaha illallah. What a blessing. And even if you're not hungry, wake up. And in the Shafi school at least, it's from after midnight. Calculated from the entrance of Maghrib to dawn. Added, divided by two, and added to Maghrib. So in other words, it's not necessarily 12 o'clock. It could be a little bit before that or a little bit after that, depending upon where you are. So wake up, even if it's that you take a sip of water. Even if you have only a small amount. This is a sunnah of our Prophet wasallam, And it's sunnah to delay it until just before dawn. As long as delaying it doesn't lead to doubt about the entrance of dawn. And so it's a really good idea, and I recommend that everyone that follows the 18 degree, that entry point of Fajr, and then you stop, you start fasting 15 to 20 minutes before that. This is good to take precautions in these things so we don't do anything that spoils our fasting. And then there are some very important things that we should also do. And it's sunnah to do this. In other words, these things are always haram, but they are especially bad in Ramadan. And in some narrations, even though they're weak, that it breaks the fast. And at very least, it takes from your reward. And this includes lying, backbiting, namima, which is tail-bearing, creating fitna between people, and a false oath in gazing with desire. Ramadan is a time to protect your gaze. Be very careful at looking on Facebook and Instagram and going on to YouTube and watching too much TV. Be very careful. Be very careful about what you let your eyes see. Don't pollute the month of Ramadan by a haram gaze, which is a poisoned arrow from the arrows of shaitan. Guard your gaze always, but especially in this blessed month. And it's also recommended to give a lot of charity and then to be means for other people to break their fast just as it's recommended to perform all different types of worship 
praying, learning sacred knowledge, reciting the Quran, making remembrance of Allah, the i'tikaf, the spiritual truth, and so on. And then because of the social element, maintain kinship bonds. That if you're good to your parents, this is one of the most important times to be good to your parents in the blessed month of Ramadan. This is a time to keep in touch with them even more than you do on normal days. This is a time to reach out to your other kin, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts and your uncles and other family members, especially those that are older, especially those that might be ill or that are going through difficulties and so forth. This is especially a time to strengthen family bonds. And then finally, in some schools, it is recommended to take a ghusl every single night of Ramadan to prepare yourself to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in prayer. If you can't do it every single night, do it at least a few nights of the week. If you can't do it a few nights, at least do it that at once a week or something of that nature to get the reward of that this special ghusl that only comes in the month of Ramadan. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us to do everything it is that we can do to expose ourselves to the sweet breezes of His mercy. إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صلي كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى سادات الخلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع سادات الصحابة الكرام وأهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من أرجاس وعلينا معم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم ونمات اللهم اجعل صيامنا في رمضان صيام الصائمين وقيامنا فيه قيام القائمين ونبهنا فيه عن نومة الغافلين اللهم قربنا فيه إلى مرضاتك وجنبنا صختك ونقمتك ووفقنا فيه لقراءة آياتك اللهم واجعل لنا نصيبا من كل خير تنزل فيه بجودك يا أجول الأجودين وأذكنا فيه حلاوة ذكرك وأداء شكرك واحفظنا فيه بحفظك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اجعلنا فيه من عبادك الصالحين القانتين المستغفرين المقربين اللهم اجعلنا فيه من المتوكلين عليك الفائزين لديك المقربين إليك وزحزحنا فيه أن موجبات سخطك اللهم عنا فيه على سيامه وقيامه وبتوفيقك يا هادي المضلين وقربنا إليك برحمة الأيتام وإطعام الطعام وإفشاء السلام وصحبة الكرام اللهم حبب إلينا الإحسان وكرح إلينا الفسوق والإحسان وهرم علينا سخطك بالنيران بعونك يا غيات المستغيثين يا أرحم الراحمين آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان ويتائد القربة وينهاء عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يأيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا هل يزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر